It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. On this episode, I'm going to be focusing on one of the most powerful names given to the people of God. We are referred to as the redeemed of the Lord. Let's go to Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Those two verses are so rich in Revelation. First of all, when it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, it is primarily referring back to the first verse that says, he is good and his mercy endures forever. It's important for you to confess the goodness of God. It's important for you to confess the mercy of God over your life because then you can walk in greater redemption victory. Also, what grabs my attention is the tense of that statement. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That's what your English teacher called the present perfect tense. It looks like the past tense, but it's really the present perfect tense. That means something that happened in the past, but continues in its influence and impact into the present and on out into the future as well. That was initially, when that scripture was given, a reference to the past event of the children of Israel being brought out of the bondage of Egypt and the liberty they experienced then continued on with them for centuries. So they were exhorted to proclaim that redemption was still a reality among them. Well, for us, we look back not just to the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, but we look back to a hill called Golgotha where an even greater redemption took place for us. And it's the present perfect tense for us too because something happened on that day to deliver us from sin, to deliver us from satanic control, to redeem us from the bondage of fallen flesh, to set us free from the dictatorial rule of evil in this world. And we can say so because we are asserting the freedom that we have as children of God. Let's go on with this fantastic revelation. What does it mean to redeem? To redeem means to buy back that which has been lost, stolen, sold, or forfeited. Let me repeat that. To redeem means to buy back that which has been lost, stolen, sold, or forfeited. And really, you and I fit into all four of those categories. We were lost. We didn't know what was happening in our lives, where we were going, what life was all about. And, and, and true identity had been stolen from us by the sin that crept into our lives, by the satanic influence that came into our lives. We were sold into the slavery of sin by our own misdeeds. 
and we forfeited our rights to the blessings of God. But God redeemed us with his mighty power. To be redeemed means to be loosed away from bondage with a purchase price. And if there's anything I know, I know that when you go out shopping, you're not going to pay a price for something unless the item you purchase is more valuable to you than the price you have to pay. And for some reason, God looked down into this dark world and saw a sin-stained people and decided we were more valuable to him than the blood that the Lord Jesus Christ had to shed forth on the hill called Golgotha. And so that's how important, how valuable you are to God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, I believe in something called the law of the first mention. And that is, whenever you have an important concept in Scripture, whenever you have an important doctrine or idea, then you go back to the first time it appears in the Bible and a precedent is set or a foundation is laid for that principle as it weaves its way through the entirety of Scripture. So let's go back to the first mention of redemption in the Bible, Genesis 48, 16. That's where Jacob is praying over his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph brings his sons to their grandfather, and Jacob stretches forth his hands and crosses his arms, much to the consternation of Joseph. He didn't know why that Jacob was laying his right hand on the younger son, but it was a prophetic proclamation that he would be the greater of the two. And listen to what Jacob said. The angel who redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads. Now remember, this is the first mention and a precedent is being set. The angel who redeemed me from how much evil? From all evil. So Jacob was declaring and confessing that every evil thing that had ever come against him in life Whatever form or shape it took, it was all thwarted by the power of the God who had covenanted with him. And in like manner, if that was true for Jacob, that is true for you and that is true for me. That God intends to redeem us from all evil. Every evil thing you face in life, every satanic plot, every failure in your past, every damaging experience of life, every betrayal you suffer from other human beings, every sickness and disease, hurt and, and disaster that comes your way. God intends to redeem you from all evil. And one way or the other, you're going to come out of this world totally victorious, better off for having walked on this journey through the realm of time, the valley of the shadow of death. Now, who is this angel that Jacob is talking about. He said, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Well, check out your Bible closely. Most likely, the word angel is capitalized. So it's not an ordinary angel. It's from the Hebrew word malach, which is also translated messenger. And quite often in the Old Testament, when individuals received an epiphany or the nation of Israel as a whole uh, had an experience of a manifestation of God, this term was used. For instance, when Moses was visited by God at the burning bush, he turned aside to see such great sight. The bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. 
And the voice of God spoke out of the bush. Listen to what God said. He said, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Take the shoes from off your feet for the ground on which you stand is holy. And the Bible in narrating that experience said that the angel of the Lord spoke out of the burning bush. And again, it's capitalized A. If that was an ordinary angel, that would have been a blasphemous thing to say. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What angel would dare say such a thing? Of course not. Once again, it is a reference to a manifestation of God or the pre-incarnate Christ. See, many times the Son of God made appearances in the Old Testament, though he was not yet known as Yeshua. He was not yet known as Jesus. Still, those were manifestations of the Lord Jesus under the Old Covenant. And this is exactly what Jacob is referring to. The angel who redeemed him from all evil was the one he wrestled with all night long until his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. It was the one that went with him his entire journey. And listen to what he says. The angel who redeemed me from all evil blessed the lad. So he's saying so. He's doing exactly what Psalm 107 tells us to do. Make a proclamation of redemption. But he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it for his grandsons by Joseph. He's saying the angel who redeemed me from all evil. May that same kind of divine unction and action pass to them where they'll be delivered from all evil during their earthly journeys. Well, you and I can claim the same thing, and we should. We should expect it in the name of Jesus. Now, let's go to the next time in Scripture where the word redeem appears. It's Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Now, this is where God is instructing Moses what he's supposed to say to the Israelites when he tells them about this visitation he received and how God's going to bring them out of bondage. Listen to what God says to Moses. Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Now, what does an outstretched arm mean? What does the word stretch mean? To stretch means to pull beyond the normal limitations. See, there's a normal limiting factor, if you want to call it that, where God normally does not move in this world in incredible supernatural ways that are apparent to the uh, entire human race. He's hidden behind a veil. In fact, the Bible said there's a covering cast over all people and a veil spread over all nations. It's like we're locked inside of time and inside of flesh consciousness. And most of us, until we get saved, are completely unaware of the power of the Almighty God. But he made a decision, even though the children of Israel had suffered as slaves for 400 years, they had recoiled at the crack of the Egyptian whip. They were used to being used and abused. But God said, I'm going to go beyond the normal. I'm going to go beyond the limitation that's normally set between heaven and earth. And I'm going to stretch my hand way down into your painful situation. 
and I'm going to loose you away from that bondage. Now, the God who said that to them is also saying it to you. You may be groveling in the mud of a messed up life. You may have messed up your life with wrong relationships. You may have messed up your life with stupid choices. You may have messed up your life with addictions. You may have messed up your life by rebelling against the will of God, but all hope is not lost for you. You don't have to stay a slave to sin. Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. But you have a redeemer God who is stretching out his arm. He's reaching beyond the normal limitations to reach way down into your misery and to bring you up to a level of victory that you desire. Now, when he spoke that to the children of Israel, he said the thing that would wrench them free from Pharaoh's grip was great judgments, which is exactly what happened. Ten judgments fell on the land of Egypt until they finally uh, let go of their control of the children of Israel. And that happened the night of the Passover when God instructed them to kill a lamb for a household and take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost, the uppermost doorpost and the two side posts of every Israeli home. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And death could not enter into the homes of the Israeli people that were under the covering of the protection of the blood of a lamb that had been slain as a sacrifice. That was the redemption price that was paid for them that night, the blood of a lamb. Well, they didn't know it, but that was the greatest mass prophecy that's ever been given. We believe it was over about a million men and maybe more dipped hyssop in lamb blood and applied that blood to the uppermost doorpost and the two side posts of their home for protection on that night when death was going to come in the land of Egypt. However, they were prophesying of a much greater day to come because they made the sign of the cross. Think of that. It was the greatest mass prophecy ever given. They made the sign of the cross as they put the blood on the top and on the two sides of the door. And that was God subtly hiding this prophetic projection into the future, declaring that there would be an even greater redemption price that would yet be paid when the Lamb of God would be slain for us on Golgotha. What an amazing thing. And great judgments fell on Egypt. Also great judgments fell on Golgotha. Well, how was judgment evidenced on Golgotha when Jesus gave up his life, when he gave up the ghost? He tasted death for every man, and he identified with the sin-stained human race that deserved the judgment of death, because the soul that sins, it shall die, the Bible said. And so in our place, substitution for us, he absorbed, he tasted death for every man. That was the judgment that I should have suffered, that you should have suffered. And not only did that happen, but sin came under judgment and Satan came under judgment. Just a few days prior to that, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And so when that event of the crucifixion took place, judgment fell on Satan. 
and he was ripped out of his position of dominion and authority in this world. And so now Jesus is Lord of this planet. And for those who submit to the Redeemer's authority, you are in a position of victory as well. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You need to assert it. You need to declare it if you're going to enjoy it to the fullest. Now, this is a a subject that we've just scratched the surface on in this podcast. So I'm going to be continuing it probably at least two more podcasts. We'll be exploring this idea of what it is to be the redeemed of the Lord. This is who God says you are. It's about time you declare it over yourself. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.